2: Winter doesn't have to be boring and cold. Shipped same-day delivery can make winter fun and energizing. How? By skipping the store, you get more time for the fun stuff you actually want to do, like crushing it at the gym, or cranking up the oven to bake your heart out, or just getting out of the house to see friendly faces. To get more time this winter, visit shipped.com/winter. That's s-h-i-p-t.com/winter.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Base Impact Podcast, the first of the new year. Happy New Year to you all. I hope you all stay safe through the holidays. 2021 is an exciting and special year for Suburban Base because this is our 30th anniversary. Um, so we've got a lot planned for you guys, the, the listeners, the followers, the fans. We're going to have lots of announcements with regards to that. Um, who better to join us for, for this podcast than someone that's um, one of my oldest friends, and really, can claim to have been there from the start, before Suburban Base, before Boogie Times. One of my oldest mates, and no introduction to the to the loyal. They know exactly who he is. The Boogie Times customers know exactly who he it is. It's Winston from Boogie Times, aka Runtings from Suburban Base. Here he is. Great to catch up with you, Winston.
0: Hey, you know what? I'm really, really well. And just as you was um, doing the introduction, I was just thinking we've known each other for over 30 years going on like 32 33 years
1: it long, is long I mean time. It, a really long time mate and that's why it's it's so nice this is the first uh, podcast of the new year it needed to be something special you know someone that's that was there with me before suburban base was even an idea i've i've known you since I mean, you can give a little bit of the backstory. I always oh. I always, I always claim that I've never had a job. I've never had a proper job, right? <laughs> um, but I was working, I had a part-time job at a little record shop in Stratford in East London, if anyone don't know. And, I, and that's where I first met you before I'd, I'd opened that's Boogie right. Times and, and, you know, so that's how far back we go, right?
0: Absolutely, that is so true. So, I mean, I remember when... Um, used to work in the record store. And at that time I was um, working as an accounts clerk in Stratford. Yeah. So like me and uh, one of the, my like work colleagues, we would come down, it used to be just once a week, but I used to pretty much come in every day. And you was that guy in the shop that had all of the little cutouts, the rear grooves, the American imports under the counter. So um yeah you was definitely the man in the shop
1: (laughs) yeah i mean i i I cared about music so much didn't i and to me that just that little sort of part-time job there that was like doing my apprenticeship and that was uh what led me towards wanting to open boogie times and wanting to work in the kind of shop that was was my passion and and i found i had to create it myself and I, i remember whilst I was still in there a little bit naughty maybe stealing some customers but I gave you a business card For look, I said look I'm going um, to open my own shop I'm going to open my own shop and you was like, oh yeah, wicked. All right, we'll come down and check it out, whatever. You come down, checked it out, and pretty much stayed there ever since, right? <laughs> it's like absolutely. <laughs> I, I've probably
0: got to be one of your loyalest customers. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, because <laughs> everyone knows like, Yeah, obviously Danny and Winston are mates. You know what I mean? And, and uh, oh, no. they know you from working in the shop. But it ain't like you you rocked up one day and just applied for a job. You know, it's like no. we, we knew each other from from way back. And it's like, you know, come on, give me hands and get behind the counter, and you did. Yeah neither of us knew it was going to even work out from the start, did we?
0: Well, I mean, you know, looking, looking back to, you know, how it all started and, you know, the, the Romford just definitely was an area that had a very strong like rave culture and yeah. back in in those days, you know, we had a strong passion for the soul music and the boogie music and the air group music and everything else but, you know, the demand was for the rave music. You know, that's, that's what the people wanted. And, you know, we was both into that ourselves. But, you know, Boogie Times was a shop that sold everything. Sold rave music, you know, it sold, you know, sold sold funk, it sold rare groove, it sold reggae, it sold hip hop, it sold R&B. But, you know, it was predominantly known for selling rave music. And, yeah, you and know, obviously, you know, legendary Boogie Times suburban based records and, you know, the other sort of offshoot labels that came about. Mm -hmm. If anyone, has, I'm sure, said back then you would be where you are now and the label would be where it is today, you'd be like, really? You're having a laugh? Yeah. So
1: it's I mean, we knew we was working hard and we were, you know, doing something we enjoyed. The fact that so many other people enjoyed it and we're still able to talk about it, you know, it's 30 years later since the start of the label. The shop was running a couple of years before Suburban Base was formed, so... You know, it was like right. 89 when we opened the doors on there. We we're, we're really that's going right. back a while, you know? That's right. Um, and at so that I time, think... you, say, you say it was known for rave or whatever, but the time that, before Boogie Times, when, you know, you and me were hanging out, listening to music, you would come looking for for rare groove and... and um, that's right. And those kind of, like, soul funk sort of songs, because that was the kind of pre-rave um, kind of warehouse parties that us sort of East that's London right. man was kind of into, do you know what I mean? It was. That's right, that's right. Yeah
0: um yeah we'll definitely talk about those days a little bit later on but um well i did ask you, know, you to pick when, some music uh, for me
1: i asked you to pick some music yes, for me. So yes there's a couple of things <laughs> yes, that we're yes, going to yes. definitely get on that subject don't we so yeah <laughs> when you know you spent a lot of years behind the counter in, in the shop and um people remember you very fondly you know you were that guy always a big smile looked like you loved what you was doing and you made these these unsuspected kids part with their money, right? like <laughs> because because you looked like you loved it so much, and you playing it on the big speakers, it sounded amazing, and you know playing playing them all the tracks sort of in the mix or cutting it into something else. It was an easy job, sort of selling these tunes at that time. Tell us about you know your fondness for for being behind the counter, playing tunes all day, doing what you loved.
0: Well, I think. That is the key, it's doing what you love. So it never it never felt like a job. Getting up to sell music and to do something that you're passionate about is something that I would say that not many people are privileged to do. You know what it's like um, if you've got a nine to five job and you're doing something that you don't enjoy. It's almost like you're just looking at the clock and you're kind of wishing your life away. Whereas, you know, we was getting up every day and it's literally our life was like a party. It yeah. was, you know, it was just, it was amazing. You know, get up, sell tunes, and then we'll sell tickets for raves at the weekend. We'll go to the raves and then we'll sleep the weekend and then back on it, Monday, we're selling tunes again. It's like, I feel so blessed to have, you know, been a part of something that one that was, you know, so big and legendary, but also, you know, the the joy that we've, we've put into people's lives, selling the music, you know, that you know, that brings memories and, you know, good times. So it was sheerly the reason why I could do it was because I loved it. Yeah. You know, there's, there's there's nothing more that I can say about that. It's just sheer passion.
1: Absolutely. And bringing that, you know, a little bit of happiness to people's lives. You know, maybe that's why people are reconnecting with, with uh, you know, the music and that. a little bit of nostalgia, I guess. But it's been a tough year. And um, you know, 2020 is, uh, you know... Uh, not much more we can say about that it's just been one of the toughest years and and being able to sort of like you know reconnect with um happier times and not necessarily reliving that period but uh just having a fond recollection of that period you know what i mean there's got to be some positive to come out of reconnecting and, and and you know understanding the past and you know what we all went through that that collective experience you know
0: well i mean i i i, t- I totally agree with you i mean Definitely, um, you know, last year was a tough year. It was like one of the toughest years in history. I mean, I'm sure, you know, the times when it was only like this tough was like, you know, when we were in like an absolute full-scale war and it's something that we all need to um, take seriously and be mindful of. But I think for me, some of the positives of from last year is people are starting to reconnect, you know, whether it be online, You know, there's definitely a a reconnection. And I think a lot of people as well last year took time out to reflect because we had the time. You know, the UK was in lockdown. A lot of people wasn't at work. So it give people the time to, you know, reflect. Some people, as they say, sort of, you know, reset themselves, realign themselves. And I know, I do know of a lot of people that are, you know, starting new projects coming into 2021 as a result of what we all experienced last year. So out of, you know, all situations in life, there's always some positive that, you know, we can always extract from it. For me, it's, as I said, it's the fact that we've got the time to think and unite and reconnect. So, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to what this year's got in store for us, you know, we're like a week into 2021.
1: I mean, there's still tough times ahead um with with a certain amount of lockdown but i think everyone um is is looking for how to find a positive um this is something that you know tell us what you're you're currently doing this is something that is uh, is a passion of yours now and your current business you sort of work in the wellness kind of area and you want to try and help people feel a little bit better physically and and also mental health and and um you're, you're trying to do your bit to kind of uh help people find that little bit of positivity, right? Tell us about that. Uh,
0: Absolutely. So, I mean, I'm sure you remember from, you know, even from, you know, back in the day, I've always been an active guy. You know, we used to go to the gym every now and again, and that's something that I've always sort of kept going. It was kind of the coming into the sort of uh, 2009, 2010, that what I was doing at the time, you know, I was hitting sort of hard times financially. And I was thinking, right, you know, what what can I do um, sort of moving forward to earn an income, initially? And I'm I'm a firm believer that if you're going to do something, you've got to enjoy it, for one. And two, something that you've got, like, natural ability to do. So I was just thinking, well, do you know what? For all these years, I've always kept fit and active and well. And also my partner at the time, um, she was a fitness instructor and she used to work in the gym. And I used to like, have free memberships. I used to go there and work out. So I thought, well, do you know what? Why don't I um, like start studying in that? So I was doing a part-time a college course and I got my uh, level two to be a fitness instructor. And, I got, well and, then, and then I then got a job um, working for Virgin Active. And I then, within a few months, qualified to be a personal trainer, became a personal trainer. And then um, about three years later, I became a personal trainer manager within the company. So I was managing a team of personal trainers and personal training myself. And then, you know what it's like, you feel that you've hit a ceiling. So I just thought, you know what, it's time to to do my own thing. You know, I've got my own ideas, I've got my own visions, I've got my own beliefs. So I launched my own um, personal training website which is doing really well Um, due to the fact that the gyms are closed. I'm doing um, online personal training. So I train people um, via Zoom. I do group classes via Zoom as well and, you know, give seminars to companies so that they know how to improve their sort of physical health and mental health while they're at home, which is something that's really important to all of us right now.
1: It's, it's really important and I think, you know, I really uh, admire you for, for doing that and, um, you know, it, you've contributed to uh, uh, people's happy, happiness your entire career, you know, we, we used, back in suburban base days, we used to get letters through the door saying, you know, uh, how, how the label had been so inspiring and, you know, some people even going maybe down a criminal path, we used to get letters from prison, didn't we? <laughs> people will be like, Absolutely. you know, you've, you, you know, your your stories inspired us. With, you know, I'm on the straight and narrow. I'm trying to, you know, do something in my life and whatever. And or, or the music's gotten through hard times, and and Absolutely. you know, and, and you're still doing that now. And also, you've been able to excel in in like, you know, both incarnations of your kind of career because you're doing something that you love, and then that's something you Absolutely. want to encourage people to do as well. You know,
0: that's so I think it's so important to do what you enjoy because. Uh, if you want to succeed if you do something you enjoy you stand much more chance than if you're just short term thinking about the money i just think about the job you know and then the money and the rest of it takes care of itself which i'm sure is something that you would agree with too you yeah know, it's passion yeah. first you know money second
1: yeah you gotta do it for the right reasons absolutely
0: absolutely yeah. absolutely, absolutely so um yeah the website is uh, called personal training for life so if you was to uh Go www.personaltraining4life.com. That's my website.
1: We'll, we'll put all the details in in the write-up for this. And the nice thing is, you know, the listeners, you know, maybe like fans of run things or, or you know, people that know you from the shop, they can actually get a, a personal training session. That's going to be... A little novelty <laughs> in it. So it's like well, yeah, r- been trained by me. Yeah, that's great. right. That's right. That's chat, right. About, chat about music in between, but let us chat about music a little bit more. Um, yeah. The, what was you up to, sort of, uh, since the suburban base days? Because you was uh, you got involved with like Paul Ibifer and and you was DJing a bit for, you know, I, I, I saw your name here, there, and everywhere. You know, what was, what was you up to?
0: Yeah, so I got more involved in, in uh, sort of raid promotion and um, um, raid sort of organization working with Paul Ibifa. So yeah, big up, big shout out to Paul Ibifa. Yeah, big up, And Paul. Um, so um, I think it was in about 99 and literally the start of the millennium, I teamed up with Paul and um, was um, helping him promote Jungle Splash yeah so he started that i think in 94 and kept that going still doing it now yeah it's a great brand yeah yeah very 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 really
1: important you know from those early days you know the jungle splash events were you know a big part of like the growth of that jungle sound you know keeping that giving that a real sort of foundation absolutely
0: and and also obviously I B for records as well you know one of the sort of foundation uh Jungle labels, so yeah, you know, it's definitely a real pleasure working with Paul. You know, we was working together for many years, we're still good friends. Um, you know, we, we talk, you know, every week or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So with regards to raids, um, we was doing the Jungle Splash raids um, mainly in um, North London, in Holloway Road at the Rocket.
1: Yeah. So we was well, doing events in there. That's a classic venue. I mean, I Absolutely. remember some some messy nights out at the rocket, <laughs> you know. And you, and you say you say about you know us opening the shop and and uh, living the life like it was all one long party. But we did. We used to go, we used to go there midweek, places like that, and Astoria on the weekend, or whatever, and still open up the shop at like you know nine ten o'clock in the morning and do a full day's work and then go out raving again. I I, I remember.
0: And there's And um, there's some
1: classic venues, you know.
0: Yeah, so I mean, obviously, you had like Desire at the Rocket, you had um, yep. Orange, that was down there as well. Paul was doing his events there, the Jungle Splash event, so definitely an iconic venue. We also uh, launched MC Convention, so that was the um, SAS with Shavron Skibberdy and the whole Highly Blessed thing. Yeah, so that was, um, you know, we started that in, I think it was 2002, 2003, and was doing that at the Stratford Rex. Yeah, and that was. Uh, you know, something that really took the nation by storm.
1: Yeah, those lads so, are doing really well, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I remember um, Telepathy done a rave with Shabu. It was one of his birthday bashes at the Lighthouse. I don't know if you remember that event? Um, okay. That venue, sorry. And it was in East London, um, near the sort of docks. Yeah. And I think World danced on a few events there at the Lighthouse. And so it was like one of the sort of biggest venues in london at the time apart from the other venues like se1 and shabba had his birthday bash there and i went down there with paul who was promoting a jungle splash rave and we just could not believe how many people's there is like an absolute roadblock couldn't get in it was so packed and um, we did finally get into the venue and what we noticed was that obviously you know the people turn up to listen to the djs listen to the music but we also saw that there was, um, you know, people was turning up to listen to the MCs, and that the MCs had like a really, you know, strong fan base, you know, within their own right. So it was like, you know, Paul sat down and had a meeting with Shabba and Skibidi, and that's how MC convention was uh, launched, basically, and how it was formed. It's doing like one event each month at the Stratford Rex. You know, two, three thousand people yeah. at the events.
1: That's a big. That's a big space to fill. The Rex. Exactly. I've mean, exactly. tried to do parties there, and it's it's been a tough. Uh, it's been a tough venue to fill, honestly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, we we done really well there. You know, the balconies was filled. You know, we wow. had like two venues filled. It was like absolutely heaven. So, we had um you know a good run doing that. And then we was also um, doing the tape packs as well and the CD packs. Mm-hmm. So even if sometimes the nights weren't so successful, you know that we was still you know generating like revenue from doing the CD packs and the tape packs and all the rest of it, and doing the shop run and picking up ticket money. So yeah, we was doing that, and um, also um, started the Heidi blessed record label, so that was, sort of doing the um, mc based music shabba released a couple of tracks on there and we also had a few like jungle tracks as well so it's we just trying to you know start something new something different yeah so with more of an angle of you know the mcs being the stars as opposed to just you know focusing on djs and yeah
1: and that and that's been great for their careers i mean they're still still going strong and like you know uh we're looking forward to venues being opened back up again and see how the land lies sort of once once the dust settles there but um yeah i mean it's uh yeah. it, there's there's a lot of potential promoters a lot of uh, mcs and and djs that can't wait to get back out there and give the music to the people again right
0: yeah i'm um, you know and i'm sure that you know the people are itching to get out there and enjoy it as well because it's been 10 months now that a lot of these venues have been locked down and uh you know, I, I actually feel privileged that you know I'm of an age where I've been there and done it. So it's not, you know, the end of the world for me to not go out and rave. Yeah, but but um, you're not you missing know.
1: anything. I think you've done some <laughs> raving, Win. I've seen. You. I've, been, I've been there with you. <laughs> I've had to carry uh, you, you know. out of venues before, mate. Yeah, Come on now. You, yeah,
0: I know. You've definitely carried me out of a few <laughs> venues, you know. There's been I'm a sure. few little messy um, episodes <laughs> that I don't a want bit. to go into too much detail about. But yeah, yeah we had some good times.
1: We really we did. We good times. We really did. And it's lovely <laughs> to catch up with you. I mean, music's so important to us personally and, and sort of, you know, everyone that's sort of, uh, you know, tuning into this podcast, they're all sort of... Uh, on on the suburban base um social media pages and and find finding this podcast whichever way uh you know perhaps by a, a bit of a google search and um they're, they're all music fans and and we need music more than ever and we've, we've discussed it before on this podcast that that um this is essential and the governments are trying to say that um our our jobs and our roles aren't essential but when you touched earlier on like mental health and um and and well-being now you know we're not going to get through this kind of crisis and and this kind of you know stay at home orders without you know music and film and television and um it brings a little bit of happiness to our lives when you know and what does music mean to you what did the scene mean to you and then in a minute, I, I think I've asked you to to uh, pick some tunes, and we're going to sort of listen to those and discuss some of those because we are both very passionate about music, right?
0: Absolutely. I mean, with with music and and working as a you know as an entertainer within the music scene, when most people are having their break to you know let their hair down and enjoy themselves, this is when we're working, you know. So. It's, it's now that we're, you know, that we are in this this um, lockdown that I can actually reflect on actually how important music is. I mean, even, yeah. you know, me working within the fitness industry, you know, I teach classes, you know, and, and you know, I've taught spin classes, I've taught circuit classes and the music is so important because the music sets the atmosphere for the class, you know, without yeah. that music, it's, it's going to be pretty flat. And you know you get in your car. Tell me, when do?
1: Do, do you ever play drum and bass in your fitness classes? Please tell me you do. I, I, I will tell you this, right? So
0: you know when you know it. Me doing my my classes has been my little outlet of DJing. You know, I'm, I'm bringing in my own little you know drum and bass mixes when I'm doing my spin classes. I make them a little bit more commercial. Like yeah. you know, I might put Rudimental on there or a few fresh tracks. I'm not going to go like full on you know hard jump up drum and bass, but yeah, definitely. <laughs> me and and my music is you know very important and I'll tell you something as well yeah I have had so much good feedback on my music with my classes they'll be like oh you know what Winston I, I, I love bet. the music in your class yeah yeah so you know it yeah. made me feel like you know you know what even though you know I might not be behind the decks in a rave I'm kind of still doing my job now, <laughs> so do you tell do you tell any
1: of your customers uh the people you're training that a little bit of your background, if they're sort of asking about your music and that. Uh,
0: well, a few of the personal trainers that I've managed to found out and have put like funny little, you know, pictures of me up in WhatsApp groups yeah. and things like that. So yeah, people, a few people know, and actually, um, a couple of the members um, that have been passionate about music and a few of my clients, you know, and you just sort of. You know, talking about the nostalgia years of raving, and then I'll just sort of, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I used to do a little bit with music, and I'm like, oh, really? What did you do? And I said, so suburban base, suburban base, really? <laughs> and I tell them on, it and it's like the dynamics kind of slightly changed. So to be honest with you, I don't really talk about it too much because I say been, it, they become a little bit overwhelmed. But yeah, you probably, you probably
1: made their day. Come on, you probably made their day. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true, it's true, it's true. It's true. So yeah. listen, I, I want to talk to you about music. I want to keep talking to you about music. I ask. Uh, my guests on this show to to pick four tunes, either things that have influenced them and um, and, and been very important, either in their music career or just in in you know their uh, childhood, maybe growing up, um, and and then pick something from their own career, maybe one or two tracks from their own career. Now, I, I knew you were going to pick some some winners here because you and me have got like you know very similar tastes. We we grew up in East London. We we, we like the same kind of thing there's a couple of things here that uh, that i mean to me i would have picked and um i'm looking forward to listening to these chatting to them about why you picked them and what they meant to you first one up herbie hancock rocket such a big tune we're going to discuss why what it meant to us how it affected you know the way we were listening to music and what we were doing at that time let's have a quick listen to that and we'll chat on the other side yeah Uh, Herbie Hancock, Rocket. Now, such a big tune. Tell us why you picked this tune and what that meant to you.
0: So I I picked this tune for uh, lots of reasons. So the, the first reason for why I picked this tune was this was the very first track that I bought in a record shop. It came out in 1983. So I'm guessing I was about 12 years old, 12 going on 13. Yeah. Now... In this era, for me, we was all into the body popping and breakdancing. So the reason why I bought this was because, you know, I used to practice my body popping in front of the mirror. Um, I used to go around my friend's house and we would all practice our moves, you know, practice our breaking. Um, being from East London, I remember going to um, a shopping centre in Stratford at the weekends and watch some of the, uh, the older guys doing, like, the windmills and the breakdancing and all of the little battles. So, you know, I mean, I was young guys only 12 so i wasn't up there with all of the top breakers and body poppers but you know i was definitely into it and into the you know the electro scene and and that break dancing
1: scene you know just like you was as well yeah. you know it's really That's- um important Alliance. that's the important that's the importance of this song i mean it was uh we we were kids then do you know what i mean we was like school kids and exactly. uh, not old enough to go out and but our first exactly. taste of like electronic music was probably that that's electro right. kind of period and i remember buying like those street sound electro albums and all that kind of stuff
0: i mean I, I was watching the video for this as well um the other day and you could just see the you know the image that herbie hancock was trying to portray was of the future you know if you get a chance you know youtube you know the the herbie hancock rocket video and watch it but it's definitely you know a track that was way ahead of his time as well yeah
1: well it's from the album called future shock and um it was it was bit of a a change for him is that electro funk kind of thing herbie hancock you know obviously a, a jazz musician blue note artist and and you know that whole jazz funk fuzz, funk fusion kind of stuff that he was known for this was a real departure He synthesizer kind of electro funk kind of stuff uh, you know as kids that would have been the first time we were perhaps aware of him you know what i mean wouldn't have known about him being this like amazing jazz musician before that and years later we dig deeper and we become these like, you know wannabe music connoisseurs you know and we know all about his history but this this was something amazing you know
0: what you're saying is so true, because I'd never heard of Herbie Hancock before, you know, this track. And, and I would also say that, you know, it was this track and, and this era where I really felt that I was starting to become passionate about music and, and yeah. you know, started to build my sort of own tastes and interest in music. You know, I grew up, you know, I'm from like a Caribbean background. My parents are from Jamaica. So, you know, I grew up listening to reggae music um, and, like, my older sister used to buy lots of soul records. Mm-hmm. Well, I bought this because I was into electro, you know. I was a body popper, and, you know, it meant so much to me that I yeah. went out and bought it.
1: So this is the first kind of taste of music that was, like, yours. It wasn't what your sister was into. It wasn't what mum and dad was playing that's, in the house. This was the first record that was why. yours, That real yeah. personal to you. Yeah.
0: So, so yes, yeah, like, you know, me creating my own identity with... You know my interest in music, and that was at like twelve years old. Yeah. So yeah, yeah very very important song to me. Very important. You know, Huge, hugely back.
1: important. And then the next song that you, you you selected, strangely enough, would have been probably from a time when you're a little older and maybe going out to like rare groove kind of events and stuff like that. Um, you selected uh, uh, Gwen McRae. Uh, All this love that I'm giving. So that was originally a 1979 release. But then it was re-released in that kind of wave of, you know, rare groove kind of revival uh, around '88, and uh, you know, at the same time as like Soul to Soul and people like that coming out. Here's a here's a classic sort of um, funk kind of, uh, I guess, post disco song that became big sort of like around '88, uh, sort of uh, late '80s, um, ten years after its original release. Let's have a quick listen to that. And let's, let's discuss sort of like why that was the one that really kind of captured your imagination. that I'm giving, uh, Gwen McCrae. Amazing tune, big East London tune, big uh, big sort of rare groove revival tune. Um, tell us about its significance uh, in the rare groove scene and, and to yourself.
0: Yeah, so this track um, just reminds me of the, of the era, as you says of the, you know, the, the rare groove revival when you know, the house parties that was going on in the sort of mid 80s, pre-rave. I mean, even though this this track came out as a re-release, I think it was in like 1988, you know, I remember um, a friend of mine that had his own sound system um, that I used to follow. He used to play this in like 86. And it was this era that I actually, you know, in my mind says, I want to become a DJ. And I was about 15. And back then, in like sort of 85, 86. You know, there wasn't such thing as, you know, the superstar DJs. It was about the sound systems. And back in those days, when it came to dance music, it was mainly just two genres, which was soul music and reggae music, where you sort of, you know, split it in two. So I used to follow the, the, some of the reggae sounds like Saxon and Coxon and like Unity and all the rest of it. It was like my friends that had a soul sound called Side Effects. Now, yeah. um, I've got a big up, a real good friend of mine, Brian Greenwich, who used to run Side Effects uh, Soul Sounds. Big I love up, Robbie, Brian. <laughs> big up, Guppy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know Brian. You know Brian really, really well. Yeah. So, like, back in like 86 they had their own soul sound. Yeah. And it was through, you know, hanging out with those guys. my mates. that was the first time that I saw techniques, turntables as well.
1: Yeah. So a lot of the reggae so they, sounds. They were like the older kids in the area. Like they were that's like right. sort of Stratford, that's right. Canning Town boys that were into their soul, rear groove. Yeah.
0: That's right, that's right. So, you know, I, I was, you know, too young to go to the clubs. know and i didn't have the money to buy the music you know the shops that everyone was going to back then was like bluebird records and, and and shops like that and it was from you know hanging around with like my older mates you know seeing turntables hearing them like mixing soul music you know getting in trouble because i used to sneak out and go to the parties you know i'm like 15 years old and i'm you know going to these like all night parties um, and uh, yeah, that was the influence that got me into saying that when I leave school, you know, I want to have my own sound because that's that's what it was. I want my own soul sound. So yeah, that that track, you know, really signifies me, you know, making that conscious decision that you know I want to be a DJ.
1: Yeah. Like you've given us some nice stepping stones here, from like having that your first taste of music that you felt, you know, ownership of, like it was your sound, it was your could be a passion for you, to this song here, which is like that next stepping stone is like okay, I could make a career in this now. It's something I really want to do. And then and then we go on to another song. Why, why don't you introduce the next song? Um, you said to me you 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 want us to have a listen to Fast Eddie Acid Thunder. Tell us why.
0: Right. So this track here, Fast Eddie. Acid Thunder, this to me was, you know, when it all changed, you know, it just reminds me of, you know, the Summer of Love, 1988, you know, when people, you know, was, you know, going to the illegal warehouse parties, you know, you know, the birth of the pirate radio stations that was playing the rave music, you know, like Center Force, Fantasy FM, you know, Friends FM. You know, it just gives, brings back so you know many memories of you know the birth of of the rave scene.
1: Yeah, so, absolutely uh, right. You know, it's it's um it's one of those early songs in ni- 1988 that um was was probably our first taste of like you know Chicago house and acid. Let's give the uh, the listeners uh, a quick listen to that, so that everyone understands quite how important this was, a seminal track, and um, and we'll have a chat a little bit more on the other side of this. There we go, Fast Eddie, Acid Thunder. I mean, for me, it was one of the first because we were we were coming from a place where you know we were into sound systems and we were into like rare groove and stuff like that. We weren't necessarily in our, our house music at that time. It was one of the first songs that like I really remember listening to. Going, yeah, that's dope. That is dope. I could get into this and it kind of like changed the way I was kind of like thinking. My musical tastes were kind of going. And it was um, it was it was early enough. It was just before we had open boogie times. So I was still kind of toying with like being into hip hop and, you know, rare groove and jazz funk and stuff like that. And this sound to me was like, you know, and it's almost like the blueprint for for so much of what we have now. You know what I mean? From like techno to, you know, the, the classic kind of Chicago house sound. It was like a, a real blueprint sound, right? Well,
0: absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the thing... For like myself and yourself is I've always, you know, liked the sound of new music, something fresh, you know, you want to play the freshest tunes and, and, you know, the latest sounds and, you know, using the latest technology to, you know, push the boundaries of the music. And, you know, this track here was just, you know, there was nothing else like it, you know, the acid sounds, the beats. It was just something that was just, you know, completely new. You know, there was nothing really at the time that you could compare it to because it was just so different but it was also you know so good
1: yeah absolutely yeah. amazing track. So, i mean there's a, there a lot that followed that using that kind of the acid sound was really like the the 303, the Roland 303. That's right. Um, and do it doing things it wasn't designed to do, as as is the case in like you know so many uh, of these sort of dance music productions where you know we push the boundaries of what this equipment can do. That was a, that's a classic case of it. The 303 making these like crazy crazy sounds that you know it was probably not Roland's uh, intention to make it sound as crazy as that, but like you know thank God these guys you know this crazy stuff of it and sort of defined the genre you know Fast Eddie part of that other seminal tracks like Sleazy D and, and uh, Future Acid tracks and stuff like that really like help shape and define that genre then the guy comes out with Hip House and, and defines right. and names like another sub genre you know it's like you know, right. the guy's importance you know Fast Eddie's importance um, as uh, maybe you know has, has been a little overlooked you know because absolute legend you know uh, when you consider he is
0: When when you think back you know i do think that um he should be given a little bit more credit for his input into the, the, the rave music scene than what he's given, because as you said, you know, you know, he created the sound of of, of hip house and I think he was more known for his hip house and it really was for, you know, yeah. the acid tracks and, and the early Chicago tracks that he was making back in the day. Yeah. But, you know, again, I remember that the hip house scene, you know, you had like uh, Mr. Lee, Get Busy. You had, you know, UK doing their own forms of Hip House. I'm sure it inspired people like Rebel MC, who was doing the UK versions of yeah. like, Hip House and Stevie V, Dirty Cash.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know, mean would we have had those kind of uh, tracks come through with, without you know, what Fast Eddie had done and, and being able to sort of define hit powers and stuff like that. And, and, you know, what those guys went on to do with their careers. He actually le- he left a comment on one of my posts recently. I was like fanboying out. I'm like, you know, Fast Eddie's actually left a comment on my on my Instagram. Wow. It was like kind of dope. Do you know what I mean? Like, because at the end of the day, we're just fans, ain't we? We're just, we're just fans like everyone else. And um...
0: Absolutely. Because we love it just like everyone else, you know, you know, and we respect, you know, we respect artists within their own right. You know, it doesn't matter You know who you are, if someone's good and their music's good. You've got to respect them, you know, you've got to give them props, and you've got to give props to Fast City for what he did back in yeah, the day
1: because you know, he's an
0: absolute legend.
1: Absolute legend, and, and just, you know, really part of um, our kind of uh, pre career, really, our, our kind of early kind of foray into music and, and really important to us. I mean, obviously, um, you went on to record yourself, you know, I'm sure all of these these tracks that you've picked here and and many more had a huge influence on um and what you did with your recording when you became a recording artist let's listen to one of your songs and we're going to chat on the other side and talk about your your recordings with suburban bass and and your influences and stuff like that let's have a quick listen to something runtings and lifting spirits come easy i love i love it when it drops when the beat drops in on that one it just absolutely slams it's uh, you know still one of my favorite i think i say it every time i play a, a sub bass tunes with one of my guests but um one of my favorites from the label absolutely slaps that that tune does you know
0: you know i've got to say big up Ant miles lifting spirits absolute genius absolute legend um absolutely. pleasure to work with him in the studio you know um you know, I remember when we was working on, on that track and, you know, I've worked with, you know, engineers, different engineers and collaborations, but his, you know, detail with the sampling, it was just, you know, so precise, you know, all of the EQ and the compression. You know, this is why this track, The Amen, is just on another level and it's just so hard-hitting, you know, it's just, the snare drums just cuts through the speakers just like, listening to it even now you know i'm getting goosebumps it's just you know such a hard hitting track
1: yeah I'm absolutely i mean look props to ant miles for that and he was such an integral part of um you know, Ram Records in the early days, and and uh, Origin Unknown, uh, all the stuff he did on his own, lifting Spirits label, and to collaborate with with you on this, and for, with Suburban Base, absolute honor to have him involved. They, you know, Andy C and and, and Miles were almost like the, the Suburban Base artists that we never had. They were always there and thereabouts all the time. You know, and he was always in the shop. You know, and and hanging out. It's like part part of the crew, but kind of, you know not
0: (laughs) yeah i mean thinking about you know andy as well it was like he should have been at school when he was coming (laughs) in boogie times back in the day you should have been at school but no he was he was coming in he was listening to church he was getting feedback from us on some of the early productions going back in there and tweaking things and look at him now he's an absolute legend absolutely
1: andy andy still tells a story that uh he came into the shop and played us um long dark tunnel and apparently we, I don't know who it was, like you or Danny or been in the shop that they was like, yeah, it's all right. Like, <laughs> like we didn't rate it. So it's, like, oh, it's all right. Yeah, no, I'm not sure about that. I pro- you know, maybe it was just like a little bit too weird and different at the time, but he was right. And he's been right, you know, again and again and again in his career, you know. So, I, I don't believe that we said it was, like, just okay or, or not that good. I don't believe that.
0: I can't remember who we played it to. I'm not going to say he played yep. It, yep. it to me and I gave back.
1: Yeah, It wasn't I'm, me. I'm it not responsible. Not it wasn't me. It definitely <laughs> wasn't me. But, um, yeah, do you, do you remember that day in the studio? Maybe, uh, you know, making... Uh, Come easy.
0: Oh yeah, I remember it very very well. I remember, you know, going in there, you know, I had the ideas in my head, had the samples, you know, started con- constructing the track and it was, you know, coming together nicely. I think it took us about three days to do that track because I remember you know, and saying, you know, I need to do a little bit of tweaking on certain bits and pieces and then coming back and then doing more working on the arrangement. And um, yeah, I just remember, as I said, the, the detail that and went with the samples, that, um, you know, it was one of, yeah you know the times that i spent in the studio that really stands out you know and i've spent like you know lots of hours in the studio but working with, with amb miles even though we're like talking about this was what 25 years ago
1: now because he came out yeah. in 96 95. 95. 95 95 so
0: so yeah, so you know and i can remember it like it was like it was yesterday
1: yeah absolutely i mean you, you actually had really quite a lot of um, tunes out on the label. Um, You had a lot of Suburban bass releases. You know, more than maybe people kind of credit you for, you know, because you think about it, there's Fires Burning, Tribe Vibes, Back Again, uh, Rough Revival, Look No Further. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, some people listening now are going to know you as that guy behind the counter in Boogie Times, and other people are going to know you as Runting, the Suburban bass recording artist. You was lucky enough to, to kind of have collaborated with ant miles but you also work with austin reynolds who's our in-house producer for for uh, many years and what an amazing talent he was and uh collaborate and produce with mike james uh, one of our other awesome. um, in-house engineers and just um, amazingly talented people tell us about sort of working with them being in that studio environment being for you being part of suburban Base, and being part of boogie times
0: well well, well again it was just like you know Music was a way of life, you know, getting up, selling the music, day off, in the studio, which was, you know, which was your, you know, the garage, the famous garage that was converted into a studio. <laughs> My mum and dad's <laughs> garage, yeah. That's right, that's right, you know. Big up your old dad, the old man, you yeah. know. I wish him well yeah. and, you know, and your mum and everything. He's doing and well,
1: yeah. And they, let, they let us just take over their backyard and, I, you know. I posted a picture of it recently, actually, on the social media, and it's just like a very uninspiring garage door we got so many likes on that and um, and people don't realize you know behind that door we actually like breeze blocked up the garage door part and we double skinned it and made it like as soundproof as we could and um, it just became like a den you know of like you'd you'd open the door and big clouds of smoke would come out of there and like you know it's like people would stay in there for days at a time and and you come out with um, a banger you know a, a track that was like ready to go out to the masses you know
0: I mean, I can only describe it as like being in a time machine. You go in there, you know, and you just start building the tune and it's almost like time stood still. You know, 12 hours could go past. I remember doing sessions with Austin and with Mikey James and we'll be in there until like, you know, we're almost falling asleep it's like, you know what, we better go and we'll finish it off in the morning. But you're just so passionate and in the zone that you just, you know, you just want to get it finished and get the job done. But You know, there's only 24 hours in the day and you're only human, so you have to, you know, stop and start again and continue where you left on the following day. But, yeah, you know, again, such great memories working with with Austin and I have to say, you know, big up and massive respect to Austin Reynolds and you know, much love going out to Mikey James, you know, really great guys, pleasure working with both of them, mm-hmm. you know, but again, just really, really fun times, fun times, fun memories, you know, great times.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're, we're lucky to work with so many talented people, I mean, I'm, I'm honoured, you know, you think about all the artists that are on Suburban Base, the DJs that we've been associated with, the, the labels that have uh, kind of grown out of Suburban base with with artists going on forming their own labels and stuff like that. The history and the connections there absolutely honored to work with so many talented people. And yeah, Mike and Austin were like, you know, a big part of that story as well and uh, again a little bit like Unsung Heroes you know being sort of like in the studio obviously they had some releases as well but um, I don't know if people realise quite how many tracks and artists they collaborated with and produced that had you know their touch and their their kind of um, flavour added to them really really important
0: that's right you know they they put a lot of hours in that studio as well Lots of hours, you know. They, as you said, almost like I'm some heroes because they've done so much in you know shaping other people's tunes that they may not have got the credit for, and people might just know them for their own releases. But they've been involved in you know a lot more things than, than what they should have been given the credit for, I believe. But I just thought I'd give everyone an interesting fact that it was you that gave me the name Runtings. I remember when I finished the track and you know. I was just known as, as you said, Winston from Boogie Times. So, you know, what are we going to release it? You know, Trapped by Winston from Boogie Times? Like, obviously not. I mean, it was coming up with names. And I remember just saying, well, you, you run the record shop, right? Like, yeah. You run things. That's it, run things. I'm like, okay. And I've used that name ever since. So I've got to thank you for giving me the, the DJ name and the, and the producer name that people know me for up until this day
1: it's great and it suits you perfectly as well do you know what i mean it's uh you know it kind of it says where we're from and uh you know what you were doing at the time yeah it was just a very creative period wasn't it you know it was like yeah. everyone was involved in each other's releases and and uh you know wanting to collaborate and wanting it wanting everyone else to succeed do you know what i mean we all want that's right to succeed you know
0: yeah there wasn't i don't remember it, there being like you know competitiveness or egos It was just like, you know, a collective of of people that was all working together for the same purpose and just having a good time as well. And it just so happened, we became very successful at it as well so you know super super blessed great times very much blessed
1: very much blessed so i mean that's that we've had a little chat about the music and the music production and and you've done some great stuff in there and i really urge people to go and uh you know look at discogs and find some of your tunes and check out some of some of those releases that you had on suburban bass because they're i mean there's not a bad one amongst them there's some really really great stuff but before we wrap up let's let's just I know people want to hear about Boogie Times and want to hear about the shop, you know just tell us like, you've told us about your relationship with these uh, producers and the collaborators, your relationship with the customers, it was a very special thing, so many people remember you so fondly Winston, you've left an impression on people's lives, not just for your music but your personality, the guy behind the counter in Boogie Times you've really made a mark and left an impression on people. You know, just, just talk to me on that for a minute, you know, how that feels, if you're aware of that.
0: Well, I mean, I still get um, messages on my Facebook page of people saying, you oh, know, I remember coming in the shop, I don't know if you remember me, I'm, you know, whoever, Joe Blogs. I used to buy records from you in Boogie Times and I used to spend all my wages and all the rest of it. And you know what, I feel honoured, not that obviously, I made them spend all their money, but you know, going back to just, <laughs> you know, just giving happiness in people's lives. You know, music, you know, makes you feel good. You know, I, I think why um, people, you know, remember me so so fondly in Boogie times is because I genuinely, you know, wanted to help and give people good music. You know, I think they felt that I was just a genuine person. And, you know, I've always had time for people. You know, if someone messages me, I will always respond, always, you know, because I respect the fact that they've taken the time out to message me, so to show mutual respect, I'll get back to them, and I was just the same in the shop. You know, people would spend, you know, hours upon hours in the tune, in the shop, you know, wanting to hear tracks, and I just gotta keep on playing them. You can't get annoyed and say, well, you know, I've had enough of playing your tunes, you know, move on whatever, get out of the shop. No, you, you just, you know, I generally just wanted to help people and then give them good music. Yeah, I was just saying, I think that the people, um, you know, the, the people that come in the shop, the customers just naturally just picked up on that. That I was just an easy going guy that loved music and just want to, you know, play some good music. Simple as that.
1: I absolutely agree. You know, a, a lot of people got a lot of love for you and uh, a lot of fond memories and um and you, and you do remember everyone i mean you have to remind me sometimes we'll be chatting about someone do you remember so and so who came in the shop i'm like oh <laughs> yeah you you have to remind me you know and you've you've sort of uh you've definitely um gave a nice positive outlook and i think this is a very feel good show a lot of people are going to enjoy this they're going to really enjoy having heard from you again thank you so much for for joining us for the base impact podcast Uh, one of my oldest friends check out all of his music check out his his business his pt business thank you so much winston runtings thank you
0: yeah so um yeah i just want to say thank you you know for the people that have you know supported me and bought the music back in the day um the people that you know came in the shop bought the music you know much love to everyone you know all i can say is you know stay safe stay fit stay well and you know Live the life you love. Love the life you live. Keep listening to music. It's so important. Music is life. Come easy.
1: Thanks for listening to the Bass Impact Podcast. Please subscribe for more episodes and follow Suburban Bass Records on our Facebook, Instagram and YouTube for updates and additional content. Thanks for your support. Tune in next time and stay safe.